Hi and welcome to the CarMed Rebels podcast. I'm Jenny Field. I'm Advita Patel. I'm Trudy Lewis. Welcome to this week's episode. In our news section today, we're going to talk about something that's been circulating in the news recently this week and also we're circulating, God, probably about maybe three, four months ago now, in terms of organisations banning people from emailing out of hours. It's something that actually I blogged about, so I'll put a link to that in the show notes, people, because I just think it's absolutely bizarre. So this is a rule that's come in in Portugal now. It was recently talked about somewhere else where they're banning bosses from being able to text or contact staff from out of hours and there's been a little flurry of conversation around this in various social media platforms that I'm on but I just wanted to get your take on this in our quick 10 minute news today of what your thoughts are of kind of banning out of hours emails good bad nonsense I clearly have strong views so I'll come to Advita first. Yeah I think it's text messages and emails into outside of hours it's, it's called the right to rest which I think it's interesting because I do think it's a challenge. I don't know how you would sanction this, to be honest. And I have to be, you know, I just don't understand how you would manage this, how you sanction this. How do you, as a leader, if you've got, you know, because I think the law applies to if you've got more than 10 people working in your organisation. But if you're managing a team of people who have got different hours that they're working, because that is the world that we live in right now, because, you know, we're mm-hmm. trying to be flexible, trying to be agile, we're trying to have this hybrid thing going on. How do you manage that with as a leader with your team? And that's where I think the pressure, again, is put on the line manager, put adding to their plate, plate sorry, more than necessary. I think this is all down to boundaries. And this is something that we need to be better at as individuals. And again, it's easier said than done. I know this. I've spoken to people who feel that they have no option but to respond because of the reflection on them if they don't respond based on they think it'll hinder their progression in the business. And that's culturally broken. And that is something, you know, that needs to be addressed. However, we do need to kind of take ownership of our own boundaries at times. And, you know, for me, if I feel like they are stretching my boundaries, I will be quite open about how they are. And then I will be quite clear on my accessibility outside of my working hours. And I think that's important to have that. And I think that's fair to do that. Mm -hmm. I think when you put too many restrictions in place and I understand the whole right to rest, you are in, in danger of silencing people coming forward. You know, how, what if an emergency happens or you've got something that you say to your boss? Does the same apply to them? Like, how, how, do you, how do you have that relationship? Like, if you say, I can't email outside of your contracted hours, you can't text you outside of your contracted hours, is it only work-related text that you can't do and, what's, and, and emails or is it all emails? What kind, of, what kind of text do you want to send? No, but you know, you might be like organizing. I know, it sounds a bit. No, I mean, like you could be organizing, like I don't know, a social event, yes. right? If it, you know, yeah. does that Fair go enough. into work or does it personal? You know, that I think that's a little bit of a, it's a bit of an issue. And then also, some roles do also have out of hours emergencies, right? So if you work mm-hmm. in crisis comms and things like that, then or any crisis kind of roles that do not necessarily comms, then you are expected to potentially be on available mm-hmm. based on based on on the need of your role and again it's about setting boundaries so I, I don't like I don't agree with it I have to be honest I, I think it can hinder progression and it can hinder conversations and it can also hinder collaboration and connectivity and that whole culture of being honest and open but I can see why they've done it okay interesting Trudy what's your view well, and Vita said it all. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I agree with what Vita said. You know, it is about boundaries. I really find this difficult that somebody would tell me that I cannot email somebody within a certain time frame because sometimes just the fact that I can do that gives me peace of mind. So mm. if you're saying it's the right to rest, because it's you know about well-being and your mental health and whatever, whatever. My mental health might say, do you know what? I need to email somebody right now. And it might be eight o'clock at night outside of my hours. And it's the best, best way for me to deal with something so that I'm not stressed about it tomorrow. I'm not necessarily saying that you have to answer that email at eight o'clock at night, but I do think I should have the choice to be able to do that. So the minute you're going to put a ban on me or regulate it, you're saying I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice to to manage my day, manage my time, manage how I 
work and especially in a time when we're saying hybrid working I think it's a dangerous place to go we've got companies that are global what do you do with time differences mm. how do, how on earth do you connect as a company and as Abby said collaborate how do you do that effectively if there's a rule in place that says that I can't do something I mean the stress of a rule alone is kind of <laughs> it's kind of enough so I, I, I do feel that it's a uh, you know, the sentiment is nice. You know, it's nice to say that you're you're interested in, you know, the excessive amount of emails that people may, may send late at night. I think what needs to be managed is the expectation from mm. leaders around that email being sent and why why people should or shouldn't answer. I should have the right to not answer that email if it comes in at 11 o'clock at night yeah. rather than feeling the pressure that I have to. But that goes back to some of what Avita said. Mm. I think there's also something, and you touched on it there, around what's right for you as an individual to help you rest. And I, you know, I'll often take my laptop with me if I'm if I'm away and I'm, I'm heading off for a few days this week. So I'll have my laptop with me. And, and a lot of people would say, oh, I can't believe you're going to take it. And but actually for me, having it just means that I can, you know, do the odd thing. If I've got some downtime and I want to just quickly get something done or mm. you know, admin tasks, sometimes for me, having that breakaway in the quiet sparks something and I want to write or, or do something. So I think it's doing what's right for you. And it brings me back to the conversations we've had so much this season about rebel ideas and, and the book for Matthew Said and the mm. use of generalizations that we use in society to try and help us drive things forward whereas actually you know this generalization of banning stuff just isn't helpful and to Advita's point how on earth are you going to monitor this or enforce it because what ha- what what so if I send an email at 11 o'clock because I'm in another country and that's out of hours in the country that's banned it am I then like it's just it just feels such They're watching us <laughs> yeah and I just it just doesn't help us no, to do what no. we need to do at all good I mean we could talk about this loads I, I will put the link to my blog in the show notes and I'm probably going to write about this a bit more because I think it's the second one now I've seen in six months where this has been the solution and you know it's not the right solution to the problem and that's obviously something I talk about a lot I have to also mention before we wrap up the news today that it's Advita's last news of the season yeah and why is. why is that Advita yeah, what are you doing I know I am hopefully fingers crossed going away but anyone who has traveled during the pandemic or even after this um it, post it don't post pandemic we're still going through it aren't we it. There's, there's a whole host of processes to go through <laughs> which is more stressful than booking the holiday itself so I'm always saying hopeful I won't be relaxing until I'm sat on that lounger sipping a strawberry daiquiri of some sort <laughs> because to get there we have filled in more forms than I've ever filled in in my whole entire life oh, uh, and the PCR test and all that but I mean we have chosen a country that is not um we've got Mauritius if anyone is interested not that anyone cares uh, but you know we have chosen a country that does require this testing which I completely agree with I am not against it but it is a it is a process so it, it's that whole I don't know about anybody else who travels but I am very much like I can't 100% relax until that plane is taken yeah. off the tarmac uh, until that point I'm a bit always on the it's always a luggage thing for me because I am an overpacker as well Trying to stick to the to the limits. Yeah. Kind of stuff, right? <laughs> I, I remember li- they lost my luggage years ago. I travelled somewhere and I remember being oh, aboard for work that. and I didn't and they didn't wow. my case didn't make it. And that's the only time oh. that's happened. And, and as someone that wears contact lenses, I remember that was like that was the time that I always now carry contact lenses and solution in my hand luggage because I was like and my glasses because I can't see. So I was like, yeah, I no. can't like that stuff in my case is I've always got emergency stuff in my um, hand. Oh, no, I have. I have got my emergency rucksack. I've got all my stuff in there. So I've got the stuff, essentials, which is sun cream, swimwear, and and, uh, sunglasses and a book, right? That's all you really need. That's all you really need. So if your luggage doesn't arrive, you're good to go. Don't care. You know, we'll be on the beach, (laughs) so I'm not too bothered. But yeah, I know it's my last news and it's been... It's been what a season it's been, hasn't it? I think it I've, has. I've really enjoyed these chats and the feedback that we had from the folks who are listening in. But yeah, it's just for you two. I don't think we've ever had a Jenny and Trudy show before. No, well, I'm, no, I'm, I'm, it's going to be a new, new I thing. know. What shall we do? <laughs> what shall we do? We'll have to see what people want us to talk about for our last I one. Know, but, um, I know, I know. Yeah, fun. we will miss you next week. But this oh, episode, yeah, we will. Your, um, the episode you're about to listen to now is living and sticking to your values. So a nice meaty one for you to enjoy and one that I'm sure we've debated so many times about how easy it is to stay stuff but not so easy to actually take action so we hope you enjoy it and uh we'll see you soon 
if you want to find out more about how you can work with us, you can visit our website, which is calmedgedrebels.com. Here you can find out more about each of us individually, and it will also give you links to our own websites, which are colinear.co for Trudy, commsrebel.com for Advita, and Redefining Comms for me, Jenny. You can also follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Rebels, and you can also follow us individually on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So if you do want to work with us around communications consulting, coaching, or workshops, please do get in touch. In this episode, I really wanted to explore the whole living and sticking with your values concept. So we all talk quite a lot about our values. And I know lots of people around me often talk about the values and what we stand for and our beliefs and all those things. But there's something quite different, I think, about saying that you believe and live these things and then actually doing things that support that. And I think there's lots of things that we are very good at talking about but not necessarily taking action about. And I've talked about this a lot in probably the last 18 months in various areas of the work that I do about how easy it is to talk about things and how easy it is to then not take action. And I and we can do it to ourselves in some ways because doing those things is difficult and our brains are there to keep us safe and all those kind of things. So anything that puts us out of our comfort zone or potentially puts us at risk in any capacity, our brains will, will stop us from doing it. So it's why it's really easy for us to say things like, I'm going to work out three times a week, <laughs> and then not. Because it's very easy to have these intentions and then kind of not really following through. So that's the topic of the conversation today. And I know both Trudy and Advita love a good values conversation. And we've talked about this as the three of us around things like sustainability and how we're impacting the environment and not shopping at certain shops because they don't align to to what you believe. So I'm going to throw it out there with a, I'm not even really a specific question. Let's just talk about values and sticking to them and actually taking action. And I'm going to go to Advita first. Oh, oh God, it's one of those, it's one of these podcast episodes, I think, that could go on for either hours and hours. Well, I know it'll go on for hours and hours, not even either. Like I said, all three of us love chatting uh, about values. And for me, it's been a very interesting area for me to kind of work on and learn more about, because when I first entered the world of internal communications, there was this kind of negative connotation attached to values, if you, I don't both of you may remember but you know about this whole debate when I went to events about oh values stuck on the wall the behaviors are not demonstrating the values why do we have values in organizations it's nonsense but I you know I I obviously I disagree with the fact that when values are stuck on the wall and no one does anything with them that's terrible but I do believe that values really help us kind of understand what is our expectations of certain organizations that we work in and you may agree or disagree with those values but that's the whole reason that they exist right so you can make the decision where you can fit in aligned to your values and which is why I when I coach my wonderful coaches I encourage them and it's part of my kind of thing now to go into the values exercise so they understand what their values are because that's a, that's where you start off from right so what are your values and why do you feel uncomfortable in certain situations you know why are you inclined to shout at a certain politician or a celebrity and you know and why do you have this kind of rage that comes out of you and you're not quite sure why you feel that way and often it is because of your values and your values are not aligning with what that person is saying but when you don't understand what your values are or you don't acknowledge your values it can cause a sense of I don't want to say not belonging because it's not about that, but it's a sense of why do I feel this way? Like what is going on with me? Why am I feeling these emotions? Is something wrong with me? It's impo- like imposter and confidence, right? And this mm-hmm. is why I talk about values because once you know what your values are and what you are willing to put up with and not put up with, that's when you're really comfortable in who you are. And that's when I say to folks, that's when you kind of become a bit like Teflon. So things kind of bounce off you quite quickly because if you stay steady in your values and you stick to them, because I know when I go against, you know, somebody says something that I completely disagree with. And if I don't say something, I will think about that moment for a long time because I haven't lived up to the values of what I wanted to do. You know, so a big thing for me is, is representation and acceptance and trust. 
And as soon as somebody kind of breaks that with me a little bit, and I don't speak up at that moment in time, it will eat at me for a long time. Uh, and I do think if I didn't know those values at that time, I probably wouldn't understand why I felt that way. And I was like this for a long time, which is why I did my values exercise and really became familiar with them. So now I will make decisions, intentional decisions on where I'm going to get involved, what organizations I'm going to work with, what people I'd like to work with, because I know they align with my values in that way. And I think that's quite important. So that's a bit of a rambly values thing, but that's where I'm kind of mm. at at the moment. God knows where this conversation is going to go today, to be honest. Well, so <laughs> I'm going to ask Trudy, but I'm going to come back to you on that point you just made where you said it's where I work with people that align to my values, because that's made me question your ability to have diverse thinking around you if you only work with people that align to your values. So I'm going to leave <gasps> that in the room because I know you'll have an answer. Ooh. And then I'm going to come to Trudy for her first points on this as well. Wow. Gosh, I'm really curious of what Advisa is actually going to answer. <laughs> I'm quite curious as well, Trudy, don't worry. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, so values values is a conversation I absolutely love. I'm like Advisa, so within the organisation, there has been, you, you know, you, you'll see them put up on walls. I get very angry with people who spend a lot of time making pretty pictures, posters, putting them everywhere. I think the funniest thing I had was, oh, we had a quiz at Christmas to, to quiz people around the values and nobody could win. You know, the fact, <laughs> the fact that nobody knows them and you think, well, just being able to recite them doesn't mean that they understand them, which is where, you know, then that link to behaviours is so important. So within the organisation, it's so important to link a value with what behavior are you expecting? And within that, then say, well, what does good look like? And what does bad look like? So we can actually help people to understand what that value means. And then you've got to take the time to really get them engaged with it, embedded into their thinking. It's more than just the words on the wall, and it always has to be. And the biggest part of all values for me is how a lot of the times there are values, but management don't actually follow them. Leadership don't follow the, the values. And then people are saying, well, why should I do it? Because my boss isn't doing it. And that in itself is a big problem. So values, values are important. I think in order to understand your purpose as an organization or as an individual, you have to understand your values. And that's why just to add Vita's point, it's an, it's an important exercise to do as you coach, as you work with people who are, who are trying to find out, well, what am I supposed to be here for? What am I here on this earth to do? It's the first place to look is actually, well, what are your values? What do you care about? And what pushes your buttons? What makes you, what motivates you to do something this way or to buy something in that way and I think generally it's perhaps not spoken about enough in those terms because the first thing you hear when you say to somebody oh what's your purpose they'll say oh I have no idea I've never thought of that and until you kind of say to them then well okay well what's important to you they then realize that oh there is a link between the two and maybe I maybe I could learn about one by understanding the other so it's a really huge exercise to do. I think it's really important, but it's also important for us as individuals to live them. That's mm. even more so. And you said something then about kind of leadership and people being a bit exempt sometimes from values. Mm. And it's made me think of an article I read not that long ago about Facebook, where they had a, apparently a list of people that were exempt from some of their rules of how things were working. <laughs> but I'm as I go to Advita for her difficult question, <laughs> the one I'd like to come back to you, Jude, because, you know, you're an executive coach, so you coach leaders you know, all the time. So if mm. you had leaders who were creating this rule of being exempt, kind of how, you know, what would your advice be to them to help them understand the importance of living those values and taking action? So that's where I'm going to come back to you. You and don't I'm ask gonna... easy questions. Do no, you? I don't. No, I don't. No, I knew this would be a good one. <laughs> I've been interviewed and tested. I'm being like, I know. I'm being like I know. sweaty armpits and everything here. <laughs> I don't know why I've done it this way sorry so funny but but also I should say that you know from my own perspective there is something (laughs) around values and behaviors so and when I teach on the diploma and, and have done for a few years I'm always interested by some of the 
kind of foundational academic stuff and internal communications that feels very focused on, you know, mission, vision, values. There doesn't seem to be the behaviours piece always in there. And I think Mm. that's often why, you know, to Advita, your first point of values had a bit of a bad reputation. And I am guilty of putting values on a mirror in a lift. Why was that a good idea? (laughs) You know, a long time ago. But there was never the conversation of what are the behaviours that linked that. And I think, you know, the work that I do now with clients is often let's do some behaviour workshops, let's talk about what they really mean. But I think that might be why they had a bit of a bad reputation. And that's always the missing bit for me. You have to talk about the behaviours that link to your values. Otherwise, it's not it's not going to work. So now, Advita, we come to your <laughs> difficult question. So go on then. So, yeah, I know what you mean about the diverse thinking, but I don't really see values. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be difficult to explain this in a, in a very concise and succinct, <laughs> succinct way, I can't even say the word. But for me, when I talk about working with organisations and clients who align with my values, it's about the the kind of the sense of meaning behind that value, not necessarily the thought behind if that makes sense. So for me, trust, respect, you know, common courtesy, humility, that kind of stuff is very important. And there are firm non-negotiables for me and who I will work with. And that isn't about, I don't want to work with them because I think differently to me, but it's about that respect thing for me. And, and the privilege of having my own business, I can make those decisions, I suppose. And I know it's harder in an organisation, which is why when those organisational values are just stuck on a wall and behaviours are not demonstrated, which is why people feel uncomfortable in the organisation, because it doesn't align with who they are. But values doesn't necessarily mean that you all think the same way. You know, all of us will may have trust as one of our big values. It doesn't mean that we've all got the same thinking around trust. But as long as we're respectful and we're honest and we have integrity, that for me is more important. We may think differently about certain subjects and have a, a different way of addressing certain subjects. But as long as we're doing that with humility, honesty, integrity and all that, that that's what I mean when I say align with values. Because I will not work with individuals and clients and, and folks who don't tell the truth or hide certain Mm -hmm. bits of information and are not willing to be vulnerable enough to kind of share with me on what help they need because it it just doesn't work with the kind of support I give, right, when I talk about inclusivity and cultivating a culture of inclusivity. And you need that. And it's not about I won't work with them, but we do, it's a relationship, it's a partnership. And I think that's what values is about. It's It's that partnership and it's that sense of meaning behind the value. So, Good question, and I hope I've kind of explained that. You know, value shouldn't mean that you're all Stepford kind of ways of thinking, Stepford wise ways of thinking, just because we've all got, and I would say three of us have got very similar values. That's why we're good friends, because we have got similar values, but we do think differently about certain subjects, and Mm. we have a different point of view about different subjects, but we've all, all three of us are respectful. All three of us are very kind of honest with each other, and that's why it works. And the same in an organisation. I think that's why organisational values are a bit of a moot point for many people, because that's all they are. It's just stuck on a lift mirror. <laughs> I've done that as well. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and those things, those sticky back plastic things, when we used to get them and you put on a yeah. white wall. <laughs> look mm-hmm. how yeah. good, look how yeah. great this looks. But really, when you look around the organisation and you talk about, you know, power of teamwork, for example, as one of your values, and then everyone's working in silos and nobody's actually talking to each other. That, you know, that's why people get really annoyed, right? So why are you saying it if you're not going to demonstrate it? So I hope I'll be clear about that. So, you know, I I, I am very open to working with different ways of thinking. (laughs) No, you are. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't meant as a sort of loaded question, but I think we talk so much about diversity, belonging, inclusion on some of the conversations we have that I think it's an easy thing. It's an easy conclusion to have made from your statement of, I only yeah. work with people of the same values yeah. well then you only work with people that are like you but you're you're right you know we do all have very similar values it's why we're friends it's, I think that's the foundation of any relationship but we do also think differently and we have good productive disagreements about mm. things between <laughs> us and, and you know and I and that's what I love about it because you've got that openness and that honesty that comes with it so Trudy over to you with your hard question how are we coaching leaders Yeah, I like this one, actually. I I actually like addressing this. This is simply around, you know, we're saying live the values. And it's really easy to say it comes off the tongue really easily. Mm. But it's but but I guess for me, it will then go back to being a bit uncomfortable because I believe it's about taking them all the way back to why they set those values in the first place. Because as a leader, the, the responsibilities sits with you, doesn't it? It's it's 
you're setting the purpose. The purpose aligns to your strategy, what you believe as a company, what's important. And out of that, your values come to a certain extent when it comes to organizational values. And so if you are not clear, you know, you may have inherited the purpose statement. That's not the problem. If you think about how you want the organization to be and what the organization needs to inform and change, then the values come from all of that. So I think the difficult conversation sometimes is, well, why do you come up with them? Why do they exist? What do they mean? And what do you expect to see from people when you say to them, be fair or be Mm. consistent, you know, or whatever they are. And so, so it's a really important conversation about the, the origins of your values that you had in the organization and why you put them out there. And then I think it's how does it align to the strategy and your priorities and how you're going to actually play out everything in the organization. And, and a really honest question about whether or not it's are they just there because every organization's got values or are they there because you really want to see people live this way? And when you get to the bottom of some of that, hopefully you will, <laughs> you get to the bottom of some of that, then, then you can start to talk about, well, okay, what do those values mean to you? What do they mean to you personally? You know, take the organization out of the picture. What does it look like for you? And that actually helps with actually setting the behaviors because you begin to say, well, okay, what does good luck look like if you're doing your best fairness thing? You know, you're you're actually living fairness as a value. What does the best look like? And by having that conversation, you can then pull out, well, that's what it means to live it. And that's what it will mean for somebody else. And, and if the value is wrong, it can come out quite clearly when you start to talk about well, how does that play out on a day-to-day basis? You know, when you look at various challenges and here's where you do look at different ways that people interpret the values because you can also challenge, well, not everybody's going to see it the way that you see it. So how are you going to build that in? And and I, I, th- I think all of those types of conversations are really important because they then lead to what the culture is, you know, and how the company is going to live and breathe and and act with each other and so on and so on and so on. A lot of companies have collaboration as a value and find it difficult to to, to articulate that, but find it difficult to live that one because simply because they don't have a culture of teamwork, a culture of kind of working together and understanding how each other work and so on and so on and so on. And so if they're not willing to do that work to build that and to bring that together, then I would say, well, is collabor- should cab- collaboration really be one of your values? I think it's a good exercise. A lot of people would probably look at the thing that says, oh, well, that means that I might have to change all of our values. And, you know, that's going to give us a, take us down another rabbit hole. And you think, well, actually, if it's important enough to you within the organization, then you will do it because the culture of the organization is really important. That's how you move forward. So if it's important, you will you will act on it and you will say, do you know what? We need to make an adjustment on this or we need to redefine the behaviors or define the behaviors to make it really easy so people can understand and that we as a leadership team can actually do it as well. Now, here's a question. If the behaviors of an organization are clearly demonstrating the values of the organization, do you have to spell out what the values are? Because surely the behaviors of the organization are demonstrating the values. Does that make sense? Because that's what the argument on the other side is that folks are saying, well, why do we have to keep banging about these values? If people are actually behaving how we need them to behave in this business, then why do we have to keep saying, oh, collaboration is one of our values and honesty is what, because surely that's just demonstrated in the way people behave in the business. So as soon as you walk in as a new starter, the, from the interview, from the moment you apply in the in the application, you can tell what the values are. To the moment you have your interview, you can tell what the values are. From the moment you do walk about and talk to other people, you can sense what those values are. Do you think it's the right thing to do to kind of sit and do those activities where you kind of talk about, you know, what are the three or four values of this organisation? Or do you think it's just a bit of an old-fashioned way of doing things? I mean, I don't know the answer. I'm just, gonna, I'm just doing a Jenny. I'm just going to have you questions. are just <laughs> lobbing grenades in. I mean, I, I 
whenever I talk about culture, and it was interesting, Trudy, that you brought sort of culture into the debate, because that is, you know, a huge part of it. I always talk about the culture of being of being at home and your family and what things dictate how you do stuff as a family culture. And, and for me, that's seen in things like how we celebrate, you know, Christmas and what we do on Christmas Day or any little rituals or anything that's part and parcel of what's accepted in in my family and and the behaviors and and all the things that go with that and that's the culture of my world and and I do think and I always think back to conversations I've had with people in the past they've said you know no no one sits around the dinner table and says we need to have a conversation about the values that we you know it just doesn't happen in that in that setting and I know it's a very different setting to the workplace but I do think there is something in the fact that it is the way things get done around here as culture you know that is is what it is so do you have to be that explicit or like you said Advita is it just that it's it's evidenced by all the behaviors I would say if you were a startup or a newish company that's much easier to achieve than a company that's been around for a very long time Mm -hmm. because I think the organizations that I've worked with that have grown through M&As and different things like that it's not clear you know what the values are because the behaviours are different, because it's quite siloed in different places, or there's certain ways of doing things in that part of the business, it's different to that part of the business, because the leaders are different, and they want to have their own style. So you don't get a sense of this is one, you know, one big way of doing things and one set of values, which is why I think we end up with very bland value statements in organisations, you know, that like collaboration and teamwork and you know, all this stuff that that we can all, you know, reel off quite quickly because they've got to be broad enough to be interpreted in a in a local way. So I'm not sure that that answers your question. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was just laughing at the, you know, I'm sure people who are listening probably may have had experiences that, you know, how many of us have, have sat in conversations as a comms function to say, can we make an acronym? Can we make an acronym of this value? Yeah, so people I've rem- heard that. So people remember it. <laughs> I don't, don't think we need an acronym for people to remember it. We should be like demonstrating that. And the other one that makes me laugh on a value is honesty. Like every time yeah. somebody mentions that, I'm like, but yeah. do we need to carry But integ- like- you know, some people use the word integrity yeah, as well. Or integrity. I'm like, oh my yeah. goodness. Like if you have to put this on a values list, what is what is going on with the culture yeah. of this? But I, I remember doing this when I did my own kind of values, personality, that kind of stuff when I was doing the stuff for my business. And it was my graphic design lead, Adam, who I work with with clients. And he was saying, if you've got, if you've got <laughs> literally that, if you've got to put integrity on your list, you're doing something wrong. Because <laughs> it just should be a given. Yep. And it made me think really differently about value yeah. statements and what people say. But also it's whether or not values for organizations are a differentiator about that organization. So should your values be a core part of your culture, your culture being one of your unique selling points, if you like, to employees or or other stakeholders, that it should be different and it should be, you know, very specific to you because there might be lots of organisations, for example, in in construction, loads of different organisations there. So your your values as a potential employee would align with certain construction organisations and less with others Mm. because of the way some do business and, and others don't. So there's that alignment kind of going on as well, because I do think there is an element about it being a bit of a differentiator that is often not considered when we do values exercises. It is. It is. And I think to your point earlier, Advito, there, there's a there is a real purpose to making the statement kind of the statements and making them public and all the rest of it. You know, it, it, it's related to doing your branding. It's a mark, you know, for people who are coming in new. It's a quick way for them to see quickly what the what the what the values are but I do do also think it's a differentiator it's something that sets a standard for what your company is about in a quick way so to a certain extent there is a there is a purpose for for putting it out there and putting on your website putting it on posters I'm not saying that you shouldn't put your you should rip the posters down or whatever but although some people do (laughs) but I, I think it's important to have it as a standard now if you've just got them as a standard and there's nothing that sits behind them and it goes nowhere apart from just that picture or the icon that you've created, then I'd say you have a problem because that means nobody's paying any attention to what these values are. If there's work that's done behind it to make it embedded, then that makes sense. And and I think this is what we all have to be aware of. And I, I look back at, you know, you were talking about the family, but if I think about the subtle way that 
my family values were embedded in me. Mm -hmm. And within that, there were some, you do not do this. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you do not behave this way. Or if I was out in public and I did behave that way, it was a pull aside, maybe a slapped slapped hand back. Oh, we don't slap people anymore, do we? Um, (laughs) I'm older. (laughs) It was allowed. It was allowed then. It was allowed then. I thought about it, yeah. So, yeah, so you just have that kind of, um, you know, there, there was a very subtle way that we were taught how to live our family values. And when I think about how strongly they were they were embedded, I live them now without thinking. I don't even mm. think about what these values are. If somebody said to me, what are your family values? I'd be like, I don't know. But I live them every day. And so there is something that an organization could take from how a family actually interact with values in a very strong way that they can do it. And that's one of the reasons why I encourage leaders to actually live it. Because if you see your parents do it, you will follow it. I like the family value thing. And, and again, some, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine about taking things from different cultures as well, right? Because different cultures live values in a very different mm. way. And I loved how Trudy said, my, you know, my family told me in a subtle way what the values were. What values were. My family did not tell me in a subtle way. <laughs> <laughs> They told me that we this is the way we behave in this household. And, and you're right, you know, and you do take that with you. But there are certain cultures and certain or you know, certain cultures that live values in a very different way that I think some organizations can probably learn from. It took me back to an exercise that we did in an organization I worked in where values were written on a wall. And the leadership team realized that they weren't actually, you know, making a point of them and there were some really poor behaviours in the business that didn't align with the values and it's making a bit of a mockery of them. So we did this big exercise and we decided to bring them as part of everyday language. You know, so all the comms that we wrote, the articles that we did, the notes that went out, the posters that we did, we even created pin badges for lanyard so people and attach it to a recognition scheme. So we celebrated and recognised and raised awareness of people who demonstrated those values above and beyond of just doing everyday values. And that, you know, within a 12-month period, that transitioned and changed the way people remembered and, and did about the values and actually called each other out. So somebody didn't align with that value or didn't, you know, weren't mm. part, of, part of the team or didn't think innovatively or whatever, somebody would say that, you know, that isn't... And that's... I suppose that's not utopia by any stretch, but it's definitely a step forward than just having them on a piece of paper mm. or having to ask you know, having to ask an organization after a few months, like, oh, what are, what are the values of this organization, by the way? <laughs> you know, you should you should be able to kind of tell the story of and, and the way we do things around here kind of methodology by just mm. the way leaders from the top, from right to the people who are, you know, on the front line, deliver uh, and yeah. work and behave. I think that's a powerful way of doing it, the, the whole storytelling bit. So if a leader can articulate what it means in a story, or if a member of staff can do the same thing, it suddenly just gets so entrenched in your thinking because it's a story that you can relate to. And and that's quite powerful. So um, I just had a really quick question. What do you guys think about building it into people's objectives and measuring it on their performance reviews? I think behaviours should be measured anyway. So I think they go hand in hand together. Because I think I think it's quite easy to recognize people for the work that they do and ignore their behaviors. And I've learned this in the last 18 months, the importance of not ignoring behaviors that might be a red flag because of somebody's performance and what they've done. And I think sometimes you can sort of make things okay or brush things under the carpet because they're doing something amazing or they're doing a really good job. But actually, we shouldn't do that. Because we're we're telling those people that those behaviours are, are are okay and it's acceptable to do that, regardless of what you've achieved. And and, and in every organisation I've worked, we've never quite nailed that behaviours, values, output connection. And I think that's massively important. Oh, completely, completely agree. I mean, we've always kind of petitioned in some of the organisations I've been in with the HR team because I've always kind of worked within the HR team. Is you know, it's it's okay to promote people on technical capability, but it falls down when their mm. behaviors don't relay back. And that's when things, and you're right, Jenny, you know, and 
so many of us have got lots of stories about people being promoted because of the technical expertise, but the behaviours are really, really poor, which can create a toxic environment and culture. Whereas if you put it as part of your performance review or your, you know, monthly one-to-one or however you kind of do that kind of measurement thing and actually ask the questions and got the evidence, you know, like the 360s, you know, 360s when they're done well can be really powerful. When they're done poorly, they're not great, obviously. And which is why I always say with 360s, make sure that you are looking outside of your circuit, asking for feedback, not just your mates and people that you Mm. know know you quite well. Because that can tell a lot about your behaviours and the way you do. And I think if a leader can align that with the performance as well of the outcomes and the objectives alongside the behaviours, imagine how different that culture would be in that business if people mm. actually understood because so, sometimes you can be you know unconsciously be doing something that you're just not aware of and it happens mm. yeah. and if, you know if you're not having those conversations in your kind of performance reviews in an organization then you start thinking to yourself well why am I not getting why are people speaking to me this way and why am I not being treated properly and why am I not getting a promotion you know what is going on here and we just don't seem to have those kind of behavioral conversations we tell people what they're doing wrong in terms of deliverables but not necessarily, not not actually. I shouldn't be saying what they're doing wrong. It's it's how can you support them to a, align more with what the business's story is to get to their deliverables rather than what they're mm. doing wrong. And I think we're going to come into to top tips now. And I actually want to bring us sort of back to the beginning of the conversation around your individual values and sticking to them and taking action because we've we've kind of peppered tips throughout the discussion (laughs) of organizations and and how you can do things differently around values and behaviors but there's something about us as individuals where I still think it's quite easy for us to say we've got values but we don't take action around those an action that is genuine and not performative which I think is is something that we talk about a lot especially in the work at VTU you do with a leader like me Mm. I think that's that's kind of the the tips and advice because I think it is easy to say you're going to do stuff and then not do it. So how do we overcome that as individuals? Because there is also something in the power of you know Trojan Trojan mouse, as I call it, those little things that that then you know can can create quite a big impact. And I think if we all looked at our values and then we took action, no matter how uncomfortable that is. You know, how do we get better at doing that? You know, and I'm I'm someone that will, you know, doesn't shop in certain places because I don't agree with their their values. And, and my friends think I'm an idiot because I stand outside the shop back when you used to go to shops. And, and I'd stand outside where they'd go in because I was like, I'm not going in. Like it just doesn't, it's not, it's not really for me. Mm. But I think that's hard. And even now, I'm, you know, we've talked quite a lot about plastics and the ocean and, and those things. And I'm, I, we have drink quite a lot of sparkling water and we talk about soda streams all the time. <laughs> and I know it'd be to, you've got one, but I'm like, oh, I haven't got one yet. Cause it's just, I can't find space for it. You know, so there's always a reason not to, not to do something. Whereas actually, you know, I am going to go and make space for it and I'm going to do it, but it's very easy to, to say stuff without taking the action to make a difference. And yeah. how do we get better at that? Yeah. Is it just holding each other to account? I don't know who, whoever wants to go first, Peter. I do think it is about accountability. And I do think it's about, you know, it's a feeling for me personally, it's a feeling I get when I don't live to my values or live up to my values that I position myself on. Right. So I am very, you know, vocal about certain topics and certain issues. And, you know, with the work that I do with Comfortable and the work I do with a leader like me, they're set, both of them are set in very strong foundations of values. And if I don't live up to my values or I don't speak up or, or action what I said I would, it's how I feel afterwards. And I hate that feeling. I hate that, you know, and both of you mm. know, because we often have lots of conversations <laughs> about my rage, <laughs> about certain things. Uh, and I know, Jenny, you'll often say, well, what are you going to do? Like, what's your next step? What are you going to do about this? And have you actually fed this back? And have you actually spoken up about it? And you do need those people in your life to hold you accountable to some of these things. Because otherwise you can, it is quite easy to kind of dismiss that feeling or say, oh, I'll do it next week or... Oh, it's okay. It's it's just more convenient for me to go to the mm. shop and get this for this rather than going and shopping over there. And I, you know, as much as like a very practical example is the whole Amazon thing, right? So mm. I really want to support small businesses because now I know what it's like to run a small business and the challenges you face to run a small business. I one of my strong one of my values. That's and the thing about values as well. And this is what Jackie 
Lebevra, I think that's how you say her surname, and she's a values expert, talks about your values being interchangeable and you have a pecking order of values, right? And depending on what's going on in your life, those values will either disappear, come back in, different order, ranking and all that stuff. And we'll put the link to Jackie's values exercise in the show notes. But Jackie, off when I had a conversation with Jackie, she did say that values come and go depending on what's happening. And with the current situation with small businesses and everything that's happening in the pandemic, my values on supporting small business businesses is there. But I know that sometimes because of convenience, which seems to be a higher value, time sometimes <laughs> trips that. And I end up just clicking on the Amazon link and getting stuff from Amazon. When I And I feel really guilty afterwards when it comes to, you know, within the next day. And I think to myself, oh, gosh, I should have just spent a bit of energy and gone to Etsy or gone to a small business and bought this product rather than just doing the convenience thing. So I battle with it, but I'm trying to make on that basis there, I'm just trying to be more accountable with myself, mm. you know, and I have to keep reminding myself how many millions and billions of pounds, you know, Jeff Bezos has got in his pocket. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and that, that for me is again, right. No, I need to support small. And, I'll, and I'll, you know, I'll go as far as kind of writing it down and post it. So, you know, cause, cause it's a habit as well, right? Those things are habits. Yeah. So you go to the shop and buy the plastic sparkling water, you know, and rather than thinking, oh, I'll just go and get a soda stream, which, by the way, is fabulous. And this podcast is not sponsored. The soda stream, if you do want to sponsor, <laughs> feel free to. But the soda stream, for example, we save, you know, we're massive. We recycle a lot in our home. We're, we're big sustainability wise. We recycle everything. And that plastic bottle thing was a big issue for us. And that soda stream has changed the way we look at and, and, the, and the plastic thing. But I know accountability, I think, is a big thing. And I don't like that feeling of mm. if I said I'm going to do something and this is what I want to be represented as and this is who I am as an individual. If I go against the grain and don't follow that through, I feel bad and I will have those kind of sleepless nights. And, and, and you know, you both of you will know because I'll WhatsApp you about, oh, this is what's going on. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this is what's happened. Yeah. But so it is about, you know, I, I just don't want to feel that way. And I think if you're feeling that really horrible, uncomfortable, not in your stomach feeling, generally that's a sign that you have let something go when you should have actually yeah. spoken up. So that's what I would say look out for. Okay. Nice. Trudy. That's a really good gauge. Um <laughs> I think for myself, I'm I'm nowhere where I need to be. I definitely need to be better at following through on some of my values however I think a really good tip is to think about the reasons why you're doing it as well you know and think about the impact of not doing it of not standing by your values and a lot because a lot of the times you know you're moving fast you forget don't you you forget well why did I say I was going to do that again Uh, you know and and that's just a natural thing but if we if we remind ourselves as to why this is important to us, then that reminder just says, do you know what? Yeah, you need to stand up for what you believe in. And and the other the other thing is also looking at the sacrifice that others have made, you know, and they've put themselves out there to, to make sure that certain things are upheld in terms of their standards and their values. So then I can do that as well because I, I the, the the key word that you said. Jenny was actually how uncomfortable sometimes it can be mm-hmm. and um and especially if it's something that nobody else is doing if it's something everybody else is doing I mean everybody makes an attempt to recycle I hope so it's that's comfortable but does everybody call out unfairness no you know and 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 so I think that's that's the difference when you when you then say to yourself I'm going to push myself out of this comfort zone and where accountability comes in there, it also can be a source of support and advice as to how best you can navigate that value in a space that is uncomfortable. So mm. it's, yeah, I can go to Jenny and Advita and say, what do you think of this? And they can be my sense check, actually, as to, do you know what, please don't do that. <laughs> or, yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, go for it but maybe you want to do it this way, but it just then helps you. So it's the accountability is good with friends, but also how friends support you in order to get you over the uncomfortable bits. Mm. And I think there's also something in there because we obviously can't go 
many podcast episodes without talking about Brene Brown. Of but there's not. something in there about, you know, kind of, as you were talking, and then I was thinking about the vulnerability that comes with, mm. with doing things that are a bit uncomfortable and the courage that, that comes out of that, but also the shame that other people can make you feel. Yeah. You know, like when I was saying I was stood outside the shop and, you know, friends would be like, oh, for God's sake, just, you know, just come in. I'm like, no, you know, I'm going to stand here. But you, you do feel that, you know, that was uncomfortable. That was, that was a, because you feel like a bit of a wally. I'm not going <laughs> you do. But, you know, I stood by it and I was pleased that I did. And there's other things I've done sort of since where I've really stood by my values and my beliefs and, and called people out that have been long term friends and really trying to step into that space of taking action against the things that I believe. Now, I'm not in any way, you know, nailing this at all. I need to buy a soda stream for a start. But <laughs> I am getting more comfortable with calling out behaviours, calling out things that don't align to my values and that I think are important. Because I kind you I think you do get to the point of I'm okay. If if we fall out because of this, I'm okay with that because this value is actually really strong. Really important. And if and if you if 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 we're gonna have a, a, a an unproductive disagreement, <laughs> then then I'm okay because this value is really strong for me and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be around this sort of space. So I think there is something in that to your point of Vita of your values come and go a bit or they might change or whatever is understanding you know what's important to you and and we've talked before on this about you know what's the hill you're going to die on what's the thing that's going to make you really stand up so I think that would be the ones for me of of just you know a yeah. bit of vulnerability courage read a bit of Brene we always say that because it's it's not always easy is it no. to... it's not I no. mean it was really uncomfortable for me to give up a certain biscuit because, <laughs> because... <laughs> well what biscuit Trude well I like Oreos or used to like Oreos. And then I discovered that they were made with unsustainable palm oil. And oh. so I made the decision to check every single biscuit that I liked. And I actually don't buy any biscuits that have unsustainable palm oil. And, you know, it, it, it's just it's just one of those things. It's a bit like saying I only buy fair trade chocolate or I only buy. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And and it's that's not for everybody. But and and I I wouldn't judge anybody who loves Oreos. You know, they're, they're, they're great. <laughs> but the truth is, for me, it bugs me to the point where I can't actually buy them. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I know a biscuit that might also be a cake that has got palm oil in it, and I should probably stop buying that too. Yeah, um, I'm going to go and read packets now. <laughs> That's my that's my job this afternoon. That, that was that was me and Nestle and Nesquik. Like we could just talk about we've gone back to food again, haven't we? Typically, yeah. oh, typically no. always, <laughs> it's, it's always. But the whole Nestle thing for me was a big thing when I read about some of the stuff that they did and all that. But everyone's different, and truly, that's the one thing I think we should be very clear on. Absolutely, everybody it's, is it's, different, and you know, no judgment. Yeah. You know, you have to do what no, you no, do. No, no, no judgment at all. Unless, like Jenny said, there is something that you know the hill that you're going to die on with certain things that you just have to kind of. <laughs> You just a hill of Oreo cookies. Hill of, hill of Oreo cookies. Oh my goodness. Now, you know what I want now? Save the orangutans. I, I want to go and get a blooming Oreo now. That's what I want yeah. to go and do. That's the opposite. That's the opposite. I know. Of I know. That's not great, is it? <laughs> To find out more about us, how to sign up to our comms retreat, or to listen to past episodes, go to calmedgedrebels.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe, and thanks for listening.